that's the paradigm I think that some restaurateurs don't get. And that is, it's not about what I want to do as a business owner or operator. It's what does the consumer want? And whatever the consumer wants, whoever, if there's enough of them, whoever satisfies that demand the best is going to win. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by David Bloom, who is the Chief Development and Operating Officer at Wingzone and Capriati Sandwich Shop with almost 40 years experience in the hospitality space from Hilton to Senior Vice President Quizno, COO of TCBY and Mrs. Fields. He has seen it all throughout his career and uh, he is most expert, you know, see all those brands, you hear all those names, sounds really big. What does he do? He scales companies around the world. And so I'm really excited to be here to have this conversation with, uh, with you, David, and uh, learn a little more about what you're doing and, and get some gems of insights from you. So thanks for joining us. Oh, great. It's good to be here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So first of all, Chief Development and Operating Officer, Wing Zone, Capriotis, um, what does that mean? Like, what do you actually do at these brands? Um, both of the, both companies are um, in the in you know the throes of going national. Wingzone is international as well. Um, but what I really do is oversee the life cycle of our franchise partners. We also own and operate company shops, so I oversee all of that and make sure that we hit our objectives, which is to become really truly national brands or maybe how, you know, household names is an easier way to think about it. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're deep in that on a daily basis and it's throughout that entire life cycle um, of growth. So is that something, let's say I've got three, four brands and I'm thinking, all right, how do I scale to a thousand? Um, what are the things that I need to be thinking of right now in order to effectively get to that scale? Man, that is like one of the better questions I've ever been asked. Um, and I'm not sure we can cover it in an hour, but you know, because the reality, Zach, is there really aren't that many people that actually have done that. You know, there's a lot of people that have been around that and have joined companies that are doing that, but the actual impetus to make that happen, the strategy and the team building and the execution about of all those plans is it just doesn't happen. All that often, if you really think about it, how often does a new restaurant company, what, whatever business, start, you know, be, grow into a regional, you know, you know, business, successful business, and then go national and international and have lasting power? You know, you can really count on one hand every decade how many brands actually do that. Yeah, it, it's really hard and it's much less common. So. Um, and I think part of it is having alignment between the investors, the board of directors, the senior management team, and the, all of these stakeholders, the franchise partners, the employees, everybody. And getting that alignment and all those resources in the same place, same time, um, and having the opportunity to do so, like in a vertical that, you know, there is that, op that open space. <clears throat> it's identifying all that and then executing against it, I guess, is the short answer. Um, 
but there's just a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and that's, you know, there are groups, um, for example, we work with a great group called the Savory Fund, where they they find, you know, brands that are three, four locations, they scale them up to, you know, 50, 100 locations, but, and then they sell them off to another group that can scale them further. But even them with great funding, amazing experience, they realize that, they're not the ones to start it and they're not the ones to take it worldwide. Like they've got a very niche focus on the brands that they work with. And they are probably, um, I mean, that's a great example. They're, we're the company that would buy the the company from them. Yeah. Um, So for us, it needs to have some critical mass um, enough. So to prove itself across, you know, a number of different regions, markets, et cetera. Um, and enough staying power over time for us to even approach it. So that, that is really interesting. There are groups that are in that very early stage, you know, hand-holding, and it's, you know, it's somebody's baby, and they're mm-hmm. getting it to, you know, from one or two to a dozen to, you know, 20 or 50, which sounds like huge growth, but then getting from, you know, 50 to 500 or 5,000 um, is sort of more my, you know, where I, where I come in, where my, you know, we come in as a company and as a group. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you said was about the alignment on the stakeholders. What have you seen to be successful and what have you seen to be unsuccessful in getting that alignment or, or tools or processes to, to do that? Well, you're asking a lot of good questions. Um, you know, nowadays it takes capital, first of all, um, and capital comes in all forms, shapes and forms. And I would say having uh, like-minded capital. So there's private equity. And I would say some private equity is just awesome to work with. And some is not so much fun to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having the backing, we happen to have not private equity, but large sort of family offices, very sophisticated investors behind us. And um, so um, we find that that works what best. That's what works best for us. We're aligned from the values and vision standpoint. Um, and it's not just a financial, you know, manipulation or trade that we're all about. Um, <clears throat> but I've worked for the other kind of private equity and um, did well with them. And they were very good to me, but I did not necessarily enjoy it as much. And, uh, yeah. and so for me in this stage of my life, um, it's, it's as much, it's frankly probably mostly about enjoying the ride as it is, you know, hitting your goal. So that, and, and that is something that's really hard to, to think about, right? Because I know a lot of restaurants who, quite frankly, have not enjoyed the ride the last 12 months, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's been really hard for a lot of people. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people who like have enjoyed 2020, but I think that there's a lot of people who are grateful for the lessons learned in 2020. And, uh, you know, no, no pain, no gain. But at the end of the day, it's like, what do we want uh, to happen in the future? And I think that 2020 for a lot of people, especially with restaurants, it allowed everyone to take a step back and say, one, do I even want to be in this industry? (laughs) Two, what do I need to do to safeguard my brand? And then three, what do I want for my brand? Do I want it to be this big juggernaut or a regional or am I okay with the one shop, right? Yeah, and I would say just to start at the end, there's nothing wrong with having one restaurant or two or three or a dozen and having your great little business. There's you know, knowing that that's what you like and what you and what works for you um, can be very profitable. You don't have to layer in all, you know, all this management and, you know, overhead. 
And you can have a great little business that has terrific involvement in the community and you're really proud of what you do. Um, and, you know, I kind of grew up in that world as a kid in New York, but that's, that's not what it's about for me. For me, it's about really the building a, you know, a national and global brand that I enjoy. And that's my, that's, that's my expertise. So I think knowing what you want is a great point, you know, you know, beginning with the end in mind, so to speak, is super, super important. Um, it's, you know, COVID, the whole pandemic has certainly kind of made people think about wh where they want to go. <clears throat> and I have lots of friends that have, you know, they're, they're large restaurant owners. They own 50 of this or 100 of that. And, um, you know, have been in the business for decades and they're very successful. And they got hit hard. And not because they were, not because they didn't have their eye on the ball, not because they were mismanaging. They just got hit out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and their category of restaurants was, you know, full service restaurants, breakfast type places. They got hit the hardest. Oh, uh, no one's going to work anymore. And so who's, who's going there to get the breakfast right on their way yeah. in. And, uh, you know, steak, you know, really successful upscale dining here in Vegas, you know, the hotels completely shut Oh down. yeah. So, you know, people that, you know, Outback Steakhouse, great companies, Chili's, they just got slammed Applebee's. Um, so I think it's been a reset for us. It was actually another record year and we did an acquisition during the year and so we were very, very fortunate, but at the same breath, I'd say we have friends that got clobbered and, uh, you know, they were, they were riding, they were riding the wave going into this and March hit and all of a sudden the bottom fell out. So, um, it was really tough for a lot of people. So talking about how the, how the bottom fell out, you know, obviously everyone has so much fatigue around the new normal and it's like, Whoa, like when anyone says that, but what, what does that mean for, for you? Like how, how do restaurants think about what is, let's just call it 2021. Let's call it today. Like what, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say, you know, we as a company think of ourselves as really to use a industry term technology enabled service providers. We're very much a technology first uh, type approach to our business. Um, and we think that that trend started years ago, actually. Um, and we've been investing in it heavily. We're already working on robotics and all the other kind of stuff for the restaurants. Um, and, and those things take a long time to come to fruition. You start it, you iterate, you know, you're in, you're in Salt Lake, there's lots of tech companies up there. That technology paradigm of, you know, fail forward fast. Yes. Um, has hit the restaurant industry. And the restaurant industry, candidly, was pretty archaic when it came to technology. What, why is that? It, that? That's a very interesting thing. Everyone talks about how the pandemic really accelerated technology for the restaurant space. But why has the restaurant space been so reluctant to adapt and adopt new technology? You know, a lot of restaurant tours are sort of old school. <clears throat> this is what I know. This is how I've been successful. And it's worked for them for decades. They made, you know, a lot of money. Um, Problem is the margins got worse and worse over the years. Hmm. And if you really look at the return on investment scenario for a lot of restaurants and said, okay, would you, you know, if you, if you had to start again today, getting the returns you're getting today, would you make that investment? And the answer would be no, you wouldn't. You know, so the margins became, you know, the pressures of pricing and labor and, you know, all the regulations and all that kind of stuff that have come along and have made it, made it really difficult. So I'd say, number one, there was sort of a reset. 
um, of the industry that it, that basically said you either adapt or you die. You just didn't have a choice anymore. Yeah. And I think that's still going on. I've had a call with a friend yesterday, a very successful restaurant guy. And you know, I'm talking to him about robotics and, you know, autonomous vehicles, which are going to hit the whole delivery, you know, category and artificial intelligence and all that stuff has, you know, it has started in coming into the business, but it's just, the door has just been cracked open. And I think the, the only thing COVID did was accelerate all of that um, and made sure that people, consumers, you know, let's say you're in your 60s or even in your 70s, you, you probably didn't order DoorDash or Postmates or Grubhub or Uber Eats like two years ago. But you last year, knew what you that did. was. <laughs> you did, right? Like you, you had stuff delivered. You had your groceries delivered. You had everything delivered. So that kind of changed consumer behavior, I think, quite a bit as well. And uh, so I think it's here to stay. I think it's for the good, but I do think it's going to continue to be very disruptive. So w- with all of these changes that have been happening lately, that plays into the most important part about hospitality, which is the guest experience, right? And as the guest experience has been pulled and tugged and do I go here? Do I go there? How do I let them know my sauce is missing? I can't get, there's no table touches. Like how does this all play into the guest experience in your opinion? And, and what is, what does that guest experience look like going to the future? I think that's a really good point. Um, so I think that, you know, the guest experience, as you said, technology has to enhance it or it doesn't work, you know, at the end of the day. So that's number one. You have to look at technology from that standpoint. Does it make the user experience better or is it just a labor-saving device or is it just, a, you know, if it's just the device, it's probably not going to stick. Um, that's kind of, I think. But I can tell you, I've, you know, I've, I've seen interviews with employees that have worked side by side with the robots and they love it. They're like, hey, man, I don't have to sit over a fryer or a grill all day long. I can actually, you know, have more time for that, you know, that guest interaction. I can I make more money because now my skill set is up, is raised and, and you know, I'm making more and I enjoy my job more. So I think it's going to be accretive um, to the guest experience. But I do think it's going to take like it's going to be a little clunky in, in getting there. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think that's what's so great about the technology world is they, they're used to that. They used to just introduce, you know, that minimally viable product, introduce it, mm-hmm. and then just iterate, iterate. That whole paradigm is very new to the restaurant business, hospitality business. Um, and and some I, people are embracing it, some are not. And I think that what's interesting about technology is one thing that we, we've always talked to our, uh, you know, customers about is you can't take the humans out of hospitality. Right. But you can have technology improve what humans can do with hospitality. And I think that's that's really the key of what you're talking about. There is it needs to enhance the user experience, not just do a functional job. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, the stuff that's repetitive and can easily be replaced is the stuff that's going to get replaced the soonest, the fastest. And again, if it's done well, it, it frees people up to do what they really should be doing, which is talking to people, taking care of the guests, you know, and being, you know, being present instead of having their head down over a flyer 12 hours a day. Right. So I think that's, that is really critical. And I think that's where we're going to see the first, um, you know, introductions of where we are seeing it. But I also would say consumers are driving all of this at the end of the day, 
that's the paradigm I think that some restaurateurs don't get. And that is, it's not about what I want to do as a business owner or operator. It's what does the consumer want? And whatever the consumer wants, if there's enough of them, whoever satisfies that demand the best is going to win. Um, and, you know, consumers have told us really clearly, I want, and Amazon kind of taught them they could do this. I want what I want, when I want, you know, where I want. I, I want I, I want to be in control. And, you know, that's, that's the expectation of consumers today. So you know, the only way to satisfy that is through, really, through technology. You can't pick up the phone 24 hours a day, but you can have a virtual assistant picking up the phone, right? You can be taking the orders online. I think, you know, some... You go to China and some places like this that are a little further ahead, 90% of their orders are digital. Um, nobody's yeah. talking to anybody. And so I think that's where we're going. And I think we're going there faster than ever. I love that. So what would be your final piece of advice to restaurant owners, operators? I get, get outside the box a little bit. I'd read a book called The Future is Faster Than You Think. Um, it's by the guy that started SpaceX and what have you. And he speaks in there about the impact of, he calls it, we live in the age of convergence where all these technologies have existed and now they're coming together with 5G and AI and all this stuff, allowing them to work together. Um, and it's going to have a huge impact on our supply chain, on everything. And, and, and it's going to have an impact on the rest of our lives as well, biotechnology, what have you. So I think, you know, kind of getting outside and seeing what's going on in the world, what, you know, drone deliveries, all these things are, are, are coming um, and they're not fads. So I think, you know, really understanding them and seeing, being able to get a vision for what is this potentially going to look like? Um, and therefore, how do I need to think about my business is how I would approach it. Love that. So here are my takeaways. One, get alignment from your stakeholders, from the biggest of the investors down to the aligned cooks, like make sure that everyone is aligned on, on what you're doing. Uh, but especially at the top, making sure that you're all going in the same direction Two, get the right capital to get the right outcome. I, I love how you said it's not, it's not a bad thing. If you want to have your one, two, three shops, that's awesome. If you want to have 12, if you want to have a thousand, great. You just got to make sure that you get the right capital to get the right outcome. Uh, three, I love what you said about technology where, you know, you describe yourself as a technology enabled service provider and that technology needs to enhance the user experience and whatever it does. And then lastly, read the book, uh, the future is faster than you think by, uh, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Colt, uh, Kotler, because, you know, get outside that box, look at what's ahead because there is a, there is a bright, exciting, fast future and, you're going to be in it. You're going to be left behind. Uh, even if you're thinking, ah, I'm a small shop. I don't need the technology. No, because what's going to happen is in a few years, you're going to get squeezed out by everyone that's already, you know, that's thinking about that today. So, uh, and we want you around in a few years. So that being said, David, how do people find you, follow you? I uh, just uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. You can uh, email me, David Bloom at capriotis.com. Um, you know, I, I tend to be very active on all the social media sites and uh, try to do a lot of this type of stuff. So I'm happy if anybody needs any help or wants any, you know, here, have a, a little longer conversation about any of this. You know, one of the things I will say is great about our industry is people that are good at this and um, enjoy it tend to be very open. 
Um, and, you know, that's one of the things I love about our industry is people, people are just open and willing to help. So always happy to help uh, wherever I can. Awesome. Well, David, for helping us open our eyes to really see that the future is truly faster than we think it is today. Today's ovation goes to you. Thanks for joining us on Give Ovation, David. Thank you, Zach. Much appreciated. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.